Good morning, everyone. Good, Good morning. morning. So we are here with May, and this is the legal play. Yes. And we are here again with Anna Lee May, our guest speaker um, on all things uh, probate and intestate succession and all of those related items. Um, today, Anna Lee, we are talking about intestate succession and what happens when you don't have a will. Yeah. It's a perilous situation if you don't have a will. So I suggest you get one. But just in case you want information as to what happens when you don't have a will, we will discuss that today. And we we did a podcast, you and I, uh, about wills and powers of attorney and, and why it's definitely good to have one. And um, we, we hinted, at, as you said, the perils of not having one. Um, so we are going to talk today if if you are um, dealing with the death of a loved one who has not left a will, what happens? Well, it's not exactly as you would think. I've been asked several times, well, if there's no will, doesn't my spouse take everything? No, the, the short answer is no, and it gets more complicated from there. But we can talk about uh, the different areas, and there is a pie chart in Texas that sets out everything that you need to know about intakes, intestate succession. But we can start with your personal property. If you're married and you have children or other descendants, one third of your personal property will go to your surviving spouse. And then your children will take the other two thirds equally. Now, when you say personal property, is does that include the house, like real property? No, personal property is not the house, would you said real property? That's the different category. Okay. You've got real property and personal property. So per personal property would be like the car? The car, a boat, jewelry. Bank uh, accounts? No, we discuss bank accounts. Bank accounts will uh, pass outside of, uh, oh, well, here we are. I mean, generally they pass outside. If in, fa if in fact there are joint accounts with rights of survivorship, which the way most bank accounts are, because a husband and wife are co-signatures. However, though, if you have a case where it is just the decedent is the only signator on the account, then it does have to pass through the probate process. And it would count as in, in the personal account. Of intestate succession. Yeah, intestate okay. succession. And I, and I know that, that we use that word a lot. You know, Basically, that's a big fancy word saying you ain't got a will. Right, right. Intestate means you die without a will. I feel like we should have started with that. People are intestate, what? Um, yes, but so like as bank accounts and things like that, cash, that's personal property. And what you're saying, Annalie, is if you die without a will and you have a spouse and children, that your spouse would get one third of all of that? Correct. And then the children would take equally from the remaining two thirds. How does community property come in? to play in that. If you're if we're in Texas and a lot of people, a lot of people who are married in Texas may even understand, well, okay, my spouse, you know, has rights to everything that's community property. Does that change in this case? It's interesting that you ask that because in terms of a home, people usually are concerned about being kicked out of their home. In Texas, although you only would get half of, of you would get your share and then a portion of your spouse's share. In Texas, you do not get kicked out of your home. You can live in it 
your entire life. And you, in that case, is the surviving spouse. The surviving spouse. Yeah. Yes. And then the the children, the surviving spouse would get a third life estate in the decedent, the, the spouse that died, personal property. And then the children would take equally subject to the surviving spouse's one third life estate. Life estate meaning you get to stay in your home for your life. Can you make improvements or changes on the house or would the children have a say in that because they have an interest in the house? Hmm. I, I this is this is fresh know. out of law school. And the general answer to that is I mean you guys they can make improvements in the house, but they can't waste the property. Meaning they can't junk the property up, they can't tear down. You know, part of the structure. They can't. They can't do damage. Well, if you but have, they certainly can maintain it. If you have tenants and renters come in, let's say you've got a big house. I mean, would would your kids be able to come along and say we get a third of that? Well, you're talking about renters. We're talking about someone that's able right. to stay in the home throughout their life. Right. They if they move out, then all of this goes by the wayside. Okay. Right. They lose. They lose. Or they, it's 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 a special kind of home. It's a homestead, right? Got it. Uh, that only lasts for their life. Okay. Or, or until they've had a problem. Okay. And one thing we haven't mentioned yet is even though you die intestate and there's this statute that says how everything's going to be divided up amongst uh, your uh, spouse and children, and we'll get to what happens when you don't have a spouse and children. But uh, there is still a, a judicial process that has to take place in those cases. Uh, we have to actually open up probate um, and, and get the court to appoint an administrator in most cases. Right. And if you have a will, you can actually name the executor and, and, and it could be your spouse. And in that case, because Annalie were talking last time about the wills, that it's much easier to bring this official piece of paper that's been signed off on saying, I want this person to be the executor of my estate. The judge could say, okay, but if there's no will, then there's a whole process of trying to find an executor or an administrator of the estate. And it's still under the umbrella of probate, but you're going to the court in this instance asking for an independent administration rather, and that's with people that are interested in the estate, but that they were not, you know, designated in a will as the executor. And in some cases you could get an independent administrator. Basically all of the heirs are kind of, kind of agree to it. But in cases where they're not, you can't get an agreement off the air. You would have a dependent administrator, which means basically everything that, that has to happen of any significance has to be approved by the court. You have to have lawyers that, that file motions, go, go to have hearings, argue over whether a house should be sold at its price or whether the oldest son should get the car. I mean, all, all, of, all of those litigate. And that assumes, though, that you have a spouse and maybe a handful of children that generally can agree. I think that would be like the best case yeah, scenario. But we do have some clients come in who aren't married or, you know, their spouse has predeceased them and they had no children. What happens in that case if there's no will? Well, in that case, the decedent's separate personal property will go 100% to the surviving spouse. And then when it comes to real property, it gets a little more complicated. And I'm going to consult my chart here where it says if a decedent is survived by both mother and father, one fourth would go to the father, one fourth to the mother, 
and half to the surviving spouse. This is real property. Mm -hmm. So, and then if a decedent is survived by the mother or father and by siblings, brothers and sisters, or their decedents, descendants, then the surviving parent would get a fourth, fourth to the siblings and half the surviving spouse. And we can continue to go yeah, through that. And chart, if but... there is no surviving spouse and no children, this is where it gets interesting. This is where genealogy comes in. Yes. Go ahead. So if a decedent is survived by neither parent, but is survived by siblings or their descendants, then half go to the siblings and half to the surviving spouse. If the decedent is survived by no parent, no sibling, and no descendants of a sibling, all go to the surviving spouse. If there is no surviving spouse. Yeah, what happens if there's no surviving spouse? No surviving spouse, no children. Then we have to find heirs. And we go to... We go first, we go first to the parents. And you kind of divide what they call mom, moiki, and dad in the process. And a lot of times they're 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 deceased too. So somebody dies single in their seventies, probably doesn't have parents that are alive. So then you look at okay, mom had children, dad had another children, basically siblings. But in that case, but uh, you know, and sometimes it's with half brothers or steps steps and things like that. But mom's then surviving children or grandchildren would take from mom's half, the dad's would take from dad's half. We have had a few cases, and we have the genealogists on staff here, that in cases where a 90-year-old man died without children, his parents uh, died, in one case, without children. So we have to go back into the 1840s and go with the great-great-great-grandparents and, and, and trace them back down and find 58 heirs or so. And there's a court process to do that. And then we've had a half a dozen cases that involve so that's that, that that's there. So even though somebody says, Well, I don't, you know, have any children and you know, my parents are all why do I need them? Well, because you're gonna find, you know, fourth cousins <laughs> that are, you know, fifty-eight fourth cousins that are gonna divide up that divide up the state. Uh maybe that makes a difference to you, maybe it doesn't. This came up in a conversation with you and I last week, though, where we were talking about um, wills versus intestate succession and in Texas, how it's done versus other states, because in some states, you you only go, I think, you know, down the line twice. OK, do, do you have surviving siblings? No. Do they have any kids? No. Are your parents alive? There's kind of this that you only go so far. Before right, right. It, in some states. To the state. Yes, yeah, basically the state, the state gets your money. The state okay. then gets the money, which Thanks. is kind of this default thing. Okay, well, we went as far as we we comfortably felt going. We couldn't find anybody. So now all of your assets then go to the state for the state to use. Yeah, basically, it would go no further than a cousin or in some cases a second cousin. Uh, in, in some states, with regard to that. otherwise it will go to the state. And I assumed that was the same in Texas, but you corrected me and said, "Nope, Texas, Texas will, will find, find an heir." Uh, and that, and and my question was, well, okay, somebody's got to do that. Somebody's got to do the work to find that heir. Yes, but I mean, if and there are there are these heir finders, which I don't particularly like because they they take cases, they get commissions where they're really not entitled to those. But nonetheless, there are people that do that, that, that go find heirs. 
somebody up and says, you know, your 12th cousin, you know, recently died and, and going to go with the figure, you, know, you have you have rights. And, and this happens a lot in, in, in Texas, in particular, you get a lot of gas lobbies. Because somebody, some great grandfather, you know, pulled, kind of stole a wagon in Texas and set up a, you know, that, that, that bought a ranch and then, you know, 100 years later, they buy oil on it. And then they have to buy all the air and have entitlement to to that oil. So you see, you see, you see, you know, a lot of that in air fighters. So there are people out there that do that. And obviously you have to have something in order to give. So a lot of people that don't have much of an estate, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't have, and there are, there are cases where, where if there's a bank account that, you know, somebody dies, nobody sets up an estate that after, I think it's seven years, somebody does a sheet to the state, but then the heirs then at any point in time in the future can come to the state and prove they are heirs and uh, be entitled to money. Okay. We, we do that stuff, though. We You're do that. saying there are people that do. Our, we, do. We, our do. We, we, we do that, yes. Does heirship and, and genealogy and, and right. deals with this. Right. In fact, some, some of our you know, more enjoyable projects. Anna Lee has become very familiar with, with some of these cases and clients Yes, I have. In fact, I have one that's just a kind of an interesting case where um, it was a second marriage and the parents died, no wills, and one home and sibling, uh, children on each side, but the house was in disrepair. It owed homeowners taxes, federal uh, government taxes. And trying to keep the house from being foreclosed on, this is the road we had to take. So it's it's been very interesting. Yeah, there's all kinds of you know complicated. Uh, I think every every situation is slightly different. Um, we've got you know one man, his wife died recently, and her her mom's estate was was going through probate up in Kentucky. Kentucky, yes. and so there's there's some you know cross. Across so, state lines, having to deal with, with right. two. And uh, there's just a very little bit of this, but we have to set up an estate so that um, this gentleman can get money from his wife's mother's estate in Kentucky, but in Texas, and we have to go through an administration. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, and you mentioned something there, second marriage, which is kind of a red flag in the, the probate business because... I mean, probate attorneys fund their retirement and their college education based upon battles of representing either children from first marriage or the second spouse. Uh, and if you are in that situation, uh, you need a will. Because they're, particularly if you have some, perhaps you have any, any property you're fighting, because it, it, it gets, it gets uh, even people that seem to get along yes. while, while, you know, you know, dad or stepdad's yes. alive. I mean, you know, after after that person dies, the, the and then there's money to fight over. It become it can become really really. Ugly. I think that's a good point to make, Hap, because um, recently I I did a, a settlement agreement for a couple of clients that that it went back to the fact that um, the mom died without a will and, and the property was going to go to her two children. But then within like two months of that, the son then died. Yes. And, and the wife um, had some. The in son's the son's wife. Yeah. Right. The son's wife had had interest in the son's portion of property. And so there was this, you know, there was no will. And so they had to go through, you know, private channels to agree and, and, and you 
know, a process for distributing up everything. And within all of that, like you said, two, two very lovely people who I'm sure got along while everyone was alive and well, suddenly it's just, you know, yeah. and it, but there's emotions involved. It's just really hard to deal with loss. And then at the same time, you know, just be logical and, and you know, try to get what you think, you know, is going to make you comfortable and feel like you got, you, you said the key word emotion because mm -hmm. so many times the emotion gets the better of us that is what really makes it challenging and i think that's where we come into play to kind of try to calm the waters and, and make the process a little bit smoother so that there's not as much frustration and confusion trying to deal with the legal process when you're already dealing with a lot emotionally so the takeaways today are still alive get a will and if and if and if we have somebody die who's not you know come on in and see us we'll figure out how to get it done yes all right, all right. this is half may with a legal play thank you all thank you